friends, and welcome to the CU Insight Network. My name is Randy Smith. I'm one of the co-founders of CUinsight.com and also the host of the CU Insight Experience podcast. But on this show, I get to have conversations with the thought leaders who support the credit union community to identify those issues affecting all credit unions, quite honestly, and have a discussion on the, the best practices so that maybe we can gain a few nuggets and learn from them and improve our credit unions. My guest on today's show is Cheryl Lawson, the Executive Vice President of Compliance Review for JMFA, a longtime partner of ours. So I was really looking forward to this conversation. Cheryl, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Randy. It's delightful to be here. Uh, I, like I said, it, this is one I've been really looking forward to. So I'd like to start with a little background. And this was one of those things that, that came up over the years in the other podcasts. So now I've started asking everybody it. Most of us didn't grow up thinking, hey, someday I want to work with credit unions or work in credit unions. <laughs> um, when, what did you want to be when you were growing up? And, and what was the inspiration to come to JMFA and, and now be you know, the EVP of Compliance Review? Well, I started in a small church, and so I've always been service-minded. Okay. Uh, my career began in technology and banking, and some years later, I found that consulting was really an area where I excelled because I got a chance to bring a lot of great ideas to the clients that we served. And that's how I ended up at JMFA. I'm in the technology and compliance and really service business. And what did you want to be when you were growing up, though? Just you know, wanted to help people out. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, that is good. That's for sure. So let, let's pretend you and I are meeting at a, an in-person conference. That would be amazing. Hopefully soon. Could you give us the elevator pitch on JMFA and where do you as an organization add value to credit unions? Absolutely. Well, we are in the overdraft business and our focus has always been on providing a critical service that consumers really need making it possible for them to stay within their credit union and to receive the benefits of that relationship through a well-disclosed, clearly communicated overdraft solution that lets them stay inside the credit union and take care of those short-term, usually unintentional overdrafts. You know, in the olden days, credit unions used to close accounts if they had an overdraft. We've moved a long way away from that, and we recognize that families and households have temporary needs. You know, it's it's the holidays and I need to buy a turkey and get a Christmas tree and I don't quite have enough money, but I have a job and I'm reliable and I'm not leaving the credit union. I just need a few extra dollars to get me until payday. And because of the needs that consumers have, a service really does provide a critical feature of the institution. And frankly, most consumers have occasional needs. Maybe it's once a year, maybe it's twice a year. And so for them to be able to benefit within the credit union and stay a member, not be on the you know hit list, but be an okay, good member is really, really important. When JMFA created our program, it was for that reason, to okay. help consumers. Yeah, that's for sure. I think overdraft is sometimes misunderstood and then the importance of it just, you know, maybe out in the world in general. So, um, you know, as we were preparing for the show, we were talking about a couple situations that are important to credit unions. So I'd like to start there. What does it look like to transform the, you know, kind of the credit union business model through maintaining compliance and assurance and increased member satisfaction? You were just talking about the member, right? With a responsible when I was thinking about this question, I was like, what does that responsible compliance program look like? Well, it's a great question because it's really the distinction of our company from anybody else that's in the industry. You know, you can 
figure out a way to pay an overdraft. The credit union has a core system. They have operations professionals. They know how to pay an item. But the challenge is, how do you deliver a service that the member understands, feels comfortable using, understands how they can gain it and how they can lose it? And that really comes down to a full system that starts with initial communications, regular disclosures, re-educating the member. Because, you know, I get a lot of mail. I have a lot of service available to me, but I don't remember everything. So if you don't tell me periodically that I can overdraw my account and it's only going to cost me $30, I'll forget that that option even exists inside my credit union. And so re-education is a part of that kind of consistent communication. But there's also what we call a high-touch model, which is when I have a consumer whose account has gone negative, I need to be in regular communication with them. I don't want them to think that that's their money and they never have to bring it back. I want them to understand we want them to be able to use it for those few days when they need it and then to bring the account back into a positive status. And all of that is about really transforming the way that the credit union sees the member and the overdraft as simply being one more service, just like my line of credit, just like my transfer from my share account. It's just another way for the member to benefit from the services of the institution. It seems like communication is key. Just listening to you. I mean, is that clear communication around a program like this? Just one of the most important things. And has that has that communication style, channel, whatever you like to say, changed over with innovation over the years? Or I'm assuming it's much different than it was 20 years ago at this point. It is much different. It is much different. I mean, we, we, we live now by, you know, emails and cell phones and text messages. And so our ability to communicate with members has expanded. But at its core, it's still the same. I want the member to know that the credit union offers a service. The member has it available to use when they need it. If their account goes overdrawn, they're going to be expected to bring it back into a positive status. If they have questions, concerns, if they want it on their ATM or debit card, all of those are part of education and disclosure. And what's so important now, and I'm bringing up the ATM and debit card because that's really where most of us have more of our transactions today. You know, that's 20 cool. years ago, we didn't have an ATM yeah. you know, network across <laughs> the world like now. And so for a member to understand how Processing a debit is different than processing a check. That's important. That's education. I have to keep them aware. And then making sure that when they have overdrafts, they understand the fees, they understand the timetable, and that they're able to bring their accounts back back into a positive status. You know, I kind of think of it as we're always in the teaching business. Uh Credit union movement has been all about teaching members how to manage what they have. This is just another layer of it. And yet there is the importance of managing it so that it's compliant. And that kind of gets into what has changed. Okay. You know, in the olden days, we didn't have any rules. You did whatever you did. And then the agencies, the NCUA and the CFPB, and they came to the table and they said, here are the standards. Here are the rules. This is what we want. And so a credit union has to be able to ensure that they're fully responsive to the member, but they're also compliant with the regulators. And that's a fine line that for some institutions becomes an extra burden. That's why a partner like MFA provides such an incredible solution. Because I can come in as the partner and say, here's everything that you need to do. Oh, and something changed next quarter or something changed last year. I want to make sure you're current. I want to make sure those adjustments are made because it does move. You know, the environment of regulation can change. And when it does, you want your program to remain responsive and compliant. 
that seems yeah the kind of a moving ball right like it's to have a partner like jmfa to stay on top of that because there is i mean there's a lot that uh credit unions have to keep an eye on right so uh, one place this is a spot that i was interested to ask because i i will plead my ignorance on this but i found it really intriguing is also like the litigation risk that comes to the credit union just a couple questions on this can you talk about like just kind of that fundamental, like most, what is most overdraft litigation? And then second, what steps should the credit unions be taking to ensure, you know, or avoid potential litigation risk? That seems expensive and like a headache. So <laughs> it is expensive. It is a headache. There are some things that can be done, but I always have to say first, lawyers are in business to make money on the backs of the credit unions. And so just because a lawyer sends a letter or files a suit does not mean that the institution is truly at risk, but they're still in a position where they're in the lawyer's sights. And the environment has changed over the last several years. Just recently, in the last, say, 24, 36 months, we've seen so much more litigation effort from firms that are not concerned about necessarily the consumer. They're concerned about another line of revenue for their organizations. And so what we do is we see a lot, I can tell you some of the specifics, you know, um, available balance was a big uh, legal issue for some time. And now most institutions have developed language around that and it's less of an issue. Now it's more authorized, positive, settle, negative. An item presents during the, you know, morning, I have money in my account, it authorizes on my clear good funds. But by the end of the day, some intervening transactions have depleted the balance. And so now I don't have money in the account. And if the institution assesses a fee, then that's a problem. So those are the kinds of conditions that lawyers are um, kind of latching on to and saying, hey, I think I might be able to make money because I found a member who's not so happy. Maybe the member wants to make an extra payday. And so I'm going to use this member as the basis for my claim. Reality is that what JMFA can provide our clients is that legal uh, support. We don't provide legal um, costs for class action suits because, again, they can be created out of whole cloth, not based on anything wrong. But we do support our financial institutions because they don't have time to go through and teach their lawyer everything about their overdraft solution. That's expensive and burdensome and, and often ineffective. And so we come in and we lay the groundwork so that their defense becomes strong, solid, and salient. And we reduce the burden on the institution because now they don't have to have their lawyer become an expert on everything overdraft. Right. In reality, most of these cases, again, there are exceptions, but most of these cases are not based on truths. They're simply based on hopes. Okay. And the lawyer their settlement, even if there's no basis for a claim. Absolutely. And that's just the reality of the litigation environment. So, so we spend a great deal of time working with our clients, assisting our clients, and making sure that our disclosures fully address everything that is being uh, you know, raised by litigation so that we take a lot of the sting away. I can't guarantee <laughs> you, you won't find your mailing address and send you a letter because that's as easy as finding your address. Absolutely. But there may be nothing to base it on and on that foundation they really have no claim. I've had clients who've said, you know what, you're making stuff up and they've walked away from the lawyers and that was the end of the story. That was it. <laughs> That's uh, Yeah, it makes sense. And the disclosures are important, it sounds like. So to, to wrap up the, the first part of the show, I'd love to ask you a couple of questions about the future. So if you 
could break out that uh let's call it the, the foggy crystal ball that we've all had the past year or so. So um, we've seen a ton of disruption in financial services over the past few years. I don't think any of us think that's stopping. Probably more to come. What trends are you seeing and where is JMFA putting you know your focus to innovate and meet these challenges that credit unions face? A big part of what we're seeing, frankly, is that more financial institutions need support around their overdraft program. Part of the issue of litigation is so true. Consumers are uh, sometimes out there being targeted. Uh, Financial institutions are being expected to sort of have all of their details taken care of. And so we're doing a lot to support financial institutions who fear litigation or regulatory criticism. And on that basis, we're getting a lot more activity. The other thing that's really important is, you know, we're in the transition now. The you know, old administration is gone. The new administration has taken the job of president, the leadership of the agencies, and the sort of priorities can change. Mm-hmm. And so what we're doing is we're monitoring what's going on because when changes occur, I don't know that they will, but when changes occur, all financial institutions have to be very quick to respond. Because again, in a highly litigious environment, All you need is one lawyer to say, hey, you didn't do something you're supposed to have done. And the change happened last Thursday and you didn't take care of it. It's Tuesday. And so on that basis, they're going to you know, create extra havoc in the institution. The other thing that we are seeing a lot of is being able to support our clients by doing more and more of the work for them. There's still an effort to support and manage overdrawn accounts. And so we started a couple of years ago using the cloud to create an opportunity for our clients to allow us to support their ongoing daily activities, you know, sending the letters, uh, assisting them in making sure that the communications and the disclosures are on time and consistent and accurate to reduce the burden on them. We've always done periodic annual compliance reviews, on-site reviews. You know, our clients have a 100% compliance guarantee. That says that if anything happens from any examiner or regulator, we are responsible financially and ongoing. And that's an, that's an investment that we make in our clients. But what it does is it makes sure that we're doing 100% of what's necessary because that's essentially our money. And so we want to make sure that we're guaranteeing our clients that certainty and compliance. And in order to do that, we have to cover literally all of our bases. <laughs> I think that that's an ex- extraordinary opportunity for a credit union to say, you know what? I want to have a good program. I want to make sure my members have access to it. I want them to feel comfortable with it. If they don't want to use it, that's fine. If they do use it, I don't want them to be unclear or unhappy or feel as though they're taken advantage of. All of those things go away with a well-managed, well-disclosed overdraft solution. And with a partner who can do all of that for you and then give you a 100% compliance guarantee, it really takes a lot of the concern and the fear away. Absolutely. Is there something, if you go blimp level, that you think credit unions need to do different to just stay relevant over the the coming years in this, you know, fast changing financial services marketplace? You know, credit unions have done something right for such a long time and that that is they're so member centric. They're so concerned with and so aware of and so connected to the households and the members that they serve. That is the sweet spot. You know, I wish that all financial institutions were the same. But that's why the credit union movement is so special. What we encourage is that you do that and you do that times 10. You know, continue (laughs) to train your staff, 
continue to educate your members, continue to look for opportunities. You know, we've moved away from checks being the primary transaction model, and we're moving more and more to being electronic banking. You know, not all, not all the, not for all members, but those are services that the institutions are bringing to the table and continuing to look at how can they make them sensitive and ensure that they are accessible to all of their members. So, you know, everything's changing. And that, you know, five years ago, if you didn't have um, a website that could say out loud what was going on on the page, that was fine. Yep. But the environment is changing. And as it changes, we see credit unions really on the forefront of staying relevant and staying on top of those things that are important for their members. Absolutely. I'd like to kind of, as we're getting closer to wrapping up the show, have a little fun, just like we do on the other podcast with some uh, rapid fire questions. It gets our, <laughs> our viewers and listeners a chance to, to get to know you better. So like I always say, the questions are rapid, but your answers do not have to be. So let's we'll have a little <laughs> fun with it. Uh, was there, I, I've been calling this the COVID purchase question. Was there a recent purchase that you made that you maybe didn't know you needed? And now you're like, wow, I don't know if I can live with that. <laughs> yes, because I was at home more, I decided I had to redo my kitchen. So I redid, you know, bought cabinets and bought countertops. And I am so glad that I did because after living in the house for a lot of years, I finally have a kitchen that I love. Oh, well, congratulations. We, uh, we redid ours a, a couple of years ago and it came from a flood while we were on vacation. The oh, water wow. line broke and all of a sudden it was like, well, we got to redo the floors. Might as well start, you know, but yeah, it's such a wonderful <laughs> thing. Once it's done, right? They're out of the house. So congratulations. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> when you hear the word success, who is the, the first person that comes to mind and why? Hmm. That's a kind of tough one. Uh, one one answer might be Bill Gates, although he's now in the middle of a divorce. <laughs> yeah, he's struggling now. Yeah. The concept of being able to start from nothing and being able to create such an amazing success. I think that Bill Gates is is probably my pick. Divorce notwithstanding. <laughs> right. On the business side. So. <laughs> a random question. What is the greatest album of all time? Simon and Garfunkel, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Uh, that is a good one. I, that yeah, also ages sure. me. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think if that's been mentioned on the show before or on, even on the other podcast. And I, I'm actually surprised if it hasn't. That, that's a great pick. Are there any books that even over the years you've either gifted or you think everybody should read? I read Becoming by oh, Michelle Obama. Fantastic. I think yeah. that's an amazing, amazing book. I couldn't agree with you more. And that one has been mentioned quite a bit on the podcast. So if people haven't read it yet, go get it, get it on Audible, do whatever. Um, <laughs> if the calendar is empty, what, what does Cheryl do to unwind? What does that work-life integration look like to you? <laughs> well, I have pets. So of course, walking is always part of it. And I'm also a very active member in my church and with my family. So when I'm not stuck in front of a computer. I'm usually in somebody's house in my family or in the park with my pets. Uh, what kind of pets? Do you have dogs? I've got dogs, I've got dogs and cats. Oh, wow. So good for you. I love it. So, <laughs> well, that is all I have uh, for you today. But the, I do have one final question to wrap things up. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners and viewers or uh, an ask of everybody out there today? I think the one thing that I would say is we're in an environment now coming out of COVID where financial institutions are coming back open. You know, the, the doors to the branches are reopening and people are more vaccinated or coming in. And what we are seeing, and I think it's a good thing, is that 
for the first time in a year and three months, members are really coming to the table and saying, how can you help me? Because they've either lost jobs or become, you know, underemployed or it's just been a challenging time. So what we are seeing in our clients is an increasing presence in that sort of frontline branch lobby of people to assist members. And the reality is this is going to be going on for a while. You know, kids have not gone back to school yet. We're approaching the summer now. And so we're going to have that, you know, I can't take a trip because I can't get on a plane. Don't know if I'm going to get to see all of my family because I'm not sure who's vaccinated. And so really credit unions become the stopgap for our consumers to be able to do the things that will make them more comfortable in this season, but also recognize that they've been a long way away from, you know, feeling safe and feeling comfortable inside the branches. I'm so glad that we're finally able to kind of get vaccinated and get back out. Uh, I'm in my house too. So (laughs) I I think we all. Yeah, there's only so many walks yeah. around the neighborhood you can do. So, <laughs> well, that, that is the perfect way to th- wrap up. Cheryl, thank you again for taking the time today and for being on the show. I, I uh, hope our paths cross soon, actually in person. And, and to all our listeners out there, I thank you. And uh, everyone, stay well. Thanks again, Cheryl. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. 